What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, aka Kilgallen's Pub. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen, and as always, I like to start off with a little bit of gratitude. I want to thank you, the listener, you, my Patreon subscriber, you, my TikTok follower, my YouTube subscriber. I like how some things you're a follower and other things you're a subscriber. I think I'm going to put this out there. I like subscriber because that's how I think of myself when I'm a fan of someone. Oh, I subscribe to their shit. I like them. Follower? I'm not a fucking cult leader, you know? Think about the platforms that use follower, Twitter follower, Instagram follower. They're run by fucking sociopaths. Other one, TikTok, I guess you're a follower too. I don't know, but we got to get to the bottom of this. I want everyone to be a subscriber or you could say like I'm a fan of. The follower thing just feels it's a bit much. Anyhow, enough ranting to start because I do have a guest this week. Uh, one of my best friends in the world. Very, <laughs> very fun dude. Uh, a favorite of this podcast. A favorite of many people. He is the one, the only Jonah Jerkins. What up, Jonah? Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm good. Were you getting a little misty-eyed when I said one of my best friends? Yeah, I did actually. Because like you've been, you've been finally acknowledging me as one of those in the last few months, and it's meant a lot to me. I'm I'm very glad to hear it. Not one of my best friends. That's an actor, though, because that performance was a scene. <laughs> but... <laughs> it wasn't true. Yeah. <laughs> It's like um, it's like when you start dating somebody and then they start referring you as like their boyfriend and you're like, <laughs> those are new words for me, but I like it. I feel good about it. I don't know how to like I'm processing hearing that. Yeah, you know what I phase of life I skipped the being an adult in determining whether or not someone's your girlfriend because I yeah. started dating my wife in high school. And back then it was like a culture in the early 2000s where it was just kind of like. You kind of you hung out for a little bit. You hung out, you made out at some parties, did some stuff like that. And then you got to the point where you're like, hey, you know, yeah, I want, you know, to be exclusive. Did you refer to it ever as like going steady? We're around the same age. No, right? That felt archaic then. It was archaic then. I don't think people use it now. I know. But I just remember friends being like, are you guys going steady? I'm like, you're watching Leave it to Beaver too much, man. You fucking dork. (laughs) (laughs) Going steady. Even that like is a girl- dark word. Yeah. But I think like you hit a certain age, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm in my late thirties right now and uh, I've never been married, but I've been in a lot of relationships. And I think eventually like just saying girlfriend sounds like childish, you know, so I, definitely... get, I get the whole, like people say partner thing and that, you know, I, I understand like in the grand scheme of things, that's just the more appropriate thing to say, but it just seems more adult anyways, you know? I think boyfriend or girlfriend sound more fun than partner. Yeah, partner true. sounds like let's like get transactional. Some... Yes. Mm-hmm. It sounds like we need paperwork involved mm-hmm. where like I used to joke about this when I, where were we? We we're somewhere where this gay guy was introduced us to his partner and he said, this is my partner. And then I remember thinking like mm, boyfriend would sound fun. Like if, if he said, this is my yeah. boyfriend. Hey guys, this is my boyfriend, Dave. I'd be like, look at these two. You know they jump up on the bed after they fuck. Look at them, right? Probably the best times. Pillow fights, you know, playing sixty-four. That's what if I were a gay man, I that's what I envision it to be, right? You have your fun, you you bang it out real hard, right? Aggressive, you know. Or sometimes you go soft. I don't know, right? But I'm just thinking of myself in that regard. And then and then you play like some nostalgic video games, like you play Mario Kart, Goldeneye. You know my experience with. gay men the friends a lot of friends that i've had and a lot of the friends of my girlfriends um i think you're not off i think you're not far off at all. it seems it seems like they're living their best life 
every single day and it's like this from what i've what i've observed is also like oh yeah like we just went to this we went to uh sagata and we just fucked like 15 guys and then like you know and then we got pizza and it was great and i was like that's in what a different life to like it's gotta be so hard to i mean it's so hard to date any uh uh dating like scene like when you start dating it's gotta be i don't know it's well, just, I meant like just... as an adult, I've never, you know, had to ask that question. But back yeah. to the gay guy thing, though, I now that I think about it, you're right. I think it's a lot of pizza and just... It, it sounds like the most fun. Like It doesn't it? Yeah, like once you're in that unit, I, I know the outside world is really hard on that. But it's because I think everyone's like, that just looks like so much goddamn fun. <laughs> like, why, why wasn't I born gay? Like, it's just this like, God, it looks incredible. And they're all hot. It's, they're all good. Like, it's crazy because it's stress-free i've never seen a gay man with a zit i honestly right. i'm sure they yeah. are i'm yeah. sure there's some like an adult man yeah you know 13 year old gay kids probably have some shitty acne but i mean all 13 year old kid kids yeah but like see, i don't you see pictures of stressed i know it's, it's something it's so fun i think that's why comedians age not nearly as much too i feel like all of us are i mean well, we all look appropriate age but i don't think we it's insane. I'll see people like my age and I'll, I'll just be, I'm not tooting my own horn or yours, but it's just kind of, I think we're at that age now where you, where you can really tell you're, you're really thankful for like being kind of lucky, you know, or no, I hear you. you I, know, I, think this, I think this is going the wrong way uh, worse than I wanted to, but it's just that thing where you're like, you know, when you're 22 and you see another 22 year old that like maybe looks like they're 26, you're like, oh shit, dude, that guy like just like looks mature. Now you see somebody that's like, okay, I'm 39. I, sometimes I see another 39 year old. I'm always like, oh my shit, what the fuck? I don't look like that. I don't think I do. I know I look old, but like, goddamn, it's like, it's just weird. I know every old person talks about this, but it's just so weird. Like, I, I've noticed it big time. And obviously, people age better nowadays. I know what you were getting at that kind of stumped you, I feel like. As one of your best friends, I could read you very well. Yeah. What you were doing there is you were saying, like, oh, I'm fortunate to be a comedian because, and then you're like, wait a minute, comedians in your brain, you're like, we have very stressful lives. What am I about to say? Yeah. What you're about to say was, we are not weighed down by the nine to five grind of society. Right. right. That's the thing. Like, we have obviously, we have our shit where we get stressed out, but it's so much more like internalized in a lot of ways. So maybe it doesn't age you the same way sitting on your ass in a cubicle at a job you fucking despise for a third right. of your day. You know what I mean? That's a, dude, that's longer sometimes. People, there are people who have an hour long commute to work, hour long commute back, and eight hours in between. That's 10 hours of their yeah. fucking day. And think about in the winter, like in a city like Chicago or anywhere where it's cold, you're going to work, freezing your ass off in the morning. It's dark mm -hmm. out. You come home freezing your ass. It's dark out. We barely get sun enough as it is in those cold weather months, and you're getting zero five days a week. That yeah. will definitely put a toll on your physical appearance way more than just being like, I can't believe my new joke about fucking, yeah. uh, you know, barbecue sauce didn't work or whatever stupid yeah. ass thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. How come my friend didn't get this and I didn't get that? It's just yeah, like, that's our stress. I got it's this like, and oh, I didn't. But it's still like, it's still fucking cool that we have friends that we have friends that do things like i think that's so cool and yeah, uh in other worlds they have that though where they're like oh that guy got the promotion over of me. course i mean that's probably out there too but i think too, i think to joe we're just surrounded by people that either like want to make us laugh or internally we just want to make ourselves laugh i mean that's how you write right you write just trying to make yourself laugh definitely and like 
my grandmother is 92 now and she she hot still dude she's gorgeous i mean for a 92 year old woman she's gorgeous she's got good she's got good style she looks great like but her attitude you know my you know we all have our, our bad days but like my memory of my grandmother is just trying to make herself laugh all day long and just being social and and i think that just keeps you sharp and keeps you youthful right oh definitely like my dad um no, he looked his age and all that, but he was with comedy. I, I'm a comedian because I grew up in a house that had comedy on all the time, yeah. whether it was, I mean, standup was on somewhat of the time and I knew about the great standups and we did road trips where we had like comedians on cassette tape, but it was hard because you're little and there's only so many comedians that were clean enough. You know what I mean? To put on. Right. Um, I do remember Jeff Fox where these are, you a redneck. You might be a redneck. Yeah. That's like Classic. legit pretty good. And then it became hacky because it's like, oh, this is your only trick, dude. Come on. Yeah. Man. You know? Who was your who? So like, who was the early ones for you? I don't think we've ever ever had that conversation. Not like on your own, but like, who were the ones your mom? Like the who were the appropriate comedians? Well, I watched oh, a lot yeah. of stuff that wasn't appropriate for me. I feel yeah. like I grew up kind of fast. Um, you know, my parents divorced when I was like five, maybe four, going on five. Yes, and because um, I don't know what month of the year, I just know the year right. in which it happened. Um, so I, I remember being a kid. I remember looking back being like, oh, I saw a lot of things I probably shouldn't have yeah. seen. Like yeah. movie-wise and probably some TV show stuff and all that. But comedians, um, let's see, who was someone that was really into? I mean, I thought Robin Williams was crazy because he was just talking so fast and bouncing off the walls. And I remember seeing some of his stand-up and thinking, you, when you When you think of Robin Williams, you think of him as movie star comedian like your first memory movie star comedian or, or mork and mindy because we're oh, at my that first age memory is mork and mindy i remember Mine watching yeah. mork and mindy yeah i think then that's... i saw him in a movie and i thought oh that's that dude mork yeah when you're like four or like in that age group mork and mindy is the funniest thing you've ever seen ever. Yeah, the catchphrase was nanu 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 which is something yeah. a four-year-old would find hilarious S you know? sits on his head instead yeah Shash i knew george carlin was a massive comedian because mm -hmm. he was on that train show, Shiny Time Station, where he was the conductor. Oh, wow. And then my dad was like, oh, this guy's a really famous comedian. And then I remember just catching. So we would watch Sunday nights. There was a show called like An Evening at the Improv or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And it was on Fox. And so you'd see a lot of comedians. And I didn't know other names. But then later, they would get sitcoms. And so I remember seeing um, Grace Butler. No, that's not her name. Yeah, Grace Under Fire. Yeah, Grace and Yeah, so I saw her doing stand up, and then it was, she got her own TV but it show. wasn't Grace Butler. It was something Butler. What was her first name? I can't remember what her she first name. But Grace so and Fire was the show. Yeah, Anthony Clark. What was the, his? I show? remember him, Boston Common. Boston Common. Yeah, yeah. Drew Carey. I love Drew Carey. Dude, Anthony like... Clark was one of my favorites in the early '90s because yeah. he had this joke that I thought was really funny. I went to a Chicago public grade school that had a lot of immigrants, mm -hmm. so I kind of just learned what the word de de deportation meant. Yeah, And um, he talked about uh, dating this girl who was like from, I think he used like French or something, France or something like that. Um, he goes, she broke up with me. So I had her deported. It's like, you don't want to date me? That's fine. But get the fuck out of my country. Like yeah. it just, at the time, I mean, it's, it's a joke. If you did now, you'd be in trouble. But I feel like at the time I thought it was hilarious. This yeah. idea of being like, oh, you want to break up with me? Fine. And then he like calls INS or whatever he said at the time. Yeah, that's your fucking mantra your whole dating life <laughs> it's like that's like joe kilgallen's like oh yeah fuck you then i uh i'm kidding um mine so my anthony clark was I, i'm gonna fuck his joke up but like the premise was like i live i grew up on a farm 
uh, and I had a pet cow and we had to get rid of them because uh, I always try to give him a hamburger where I was like, eat it, you stupid cow. Like it was just like him trying to feed his own. I forget how the joke was, but I hear you. I just, yeah. When you're like five, you're like, that's so, like, I was a huge carrot top fan. Like toys. When, yeah, when you're boys, like, all prop comics, little kids love. I, my mom took to see him every year for two, like two years, and it was, it was an incredible performer. And it was like a different act each time. And then, uh, but my mom was obsessed with Eddie Murphy and Chevy Chase, so I grew up on those two, like young. Like I like Beverly Hills Cop is probably I probably started watching when I was like four. I had that one too. Forty eight hours. I remember watching forty eight hours. Yeah, um, it's probably not appropriate for my age at the time. No, trading and places. Nick like, Nolte was great in that, and so was obviously that's an Eddie Murphy movie. A lot. Eddie Murphy was such a superstar in the eighties and so young. I don't think people realize he was like twenty two years old. It's insane. Twenty three had the biggest comedy special in the world. That was like, I mean, massive. They showed it in yeah. theaters, and he in it did big box office numbers. He was on the yeah. number one. SNL was like SNL now is an institution. So it's not going anywhere, but I don't think the ratings are anything special, nor have they been in a long time. No. And I don't think they care about that. I think they just have a pass to just do your thing, be relevant, get the people talking. And they still do that. They still do a good job of that. Um, I watched a lot of SNL when I was a kid. I remember staying up late to watch that and loving it. The Three Stooges, yeah, Abbott Costello, all the physical yeah. comedy. Um, yeah. I mean, Walter Matthau movie. I was in, you know, my because that was the stuff my dad liked. So therefore, I liked. And then I liked the sitcoms he liked. Cheers, Seinfeld. Those were huge. Yeah, yeah. See, I was like Mark and Mindy. I grew up on like uh, I watched a lot of like the Nick and Knight, like Green Acres, uh, those shows. Like, yeah, I was watching um, All in the Family, yeah, the Odd Couple, Sanford yeah. and Son, um, yeah, shows like that. Yeah, I remember when when uh, HBO started showing Bean, like the show, Mr. Loved Bean. It. Yeah, my cousin got me into Mr. Bean actually. Yeah. When I saw Three Amigos as a child, that blew my brain. That and Spaceballs are like the movies that like, okay, I'm all in on this comedy thing. I felt that way about The Naked Gun. Yeah. About, oh, I loved all the John Hughes movies. We were big fans of my house, like Uncle Buck. I thought it was amazing. Uncle Buck's incredible. Yeah. And then I remember seeing, I remember seeing Happy Gilmore, Tommy Boy, Wayne's World. Yeah. All those movies I saw in the theater. I remember seeing them in the theater with my dad, like probably like an afternoon show, but like pretty like open, maybe opening weekend even, or who knows, but we'd go to a lot of movies at the cheap theater too, down the street from my house. Growing up in the Porch Park neighborhood of Chicago, they had a theater called the Porch Theater. It's still there, but I don't know what happened. They had like some owner who didn't pay taxes for a decade or two. So then they shut it down in like 2009 and then they reopened it for a little bit and the new owner didn't do something, whatever. Uh, but it was a real cool theater because it was third run or whatever it's called when you'd get a movie you know the movies would debut and the like on a friday at like amc's and stuff like that and then they would get it like two months later but you'd only pay like a buck 52 bucks yeah so it was great and like the logan theater is kind of like that now but the logan i think has even made itself more they get movies right away so i don't really think they even have theaters too many of those anymore that show I stuff they do i remember yeah, that used to be a big thing north side had like six theaters like that the yeah, that's Davis like theater in Lincoln Square and a few other that's ones. That's like our generation's like VOD, you know, like when it gets yeah. available to rent on iTunes before you can buy it. Um, yeah, it used to be 30 days afterwards, and now they're even rushing yeah. that up a little further. But even as a the kid, industry doesn't know what it's doing right now. I think just the world doesn't know. I mean, like it, it it's funny that it, it does when it like trusts Tom Cruise, 
Because, <laughs> like, I mean, Tom Cruise literally saved movies with Top Gun Maverick. Have you seen that yet? I still haven't. No, oh, dude. What the fuck? I know. Um, I got to come over to your house and watch it, man. Yeah, I you think I watched, watched it that one day, but we all wanted to talk and hang out instead. I know. We were going I know. to watch it. I watched it probably. I've probably seen it four times already. It's great. And I, uh, it's just yeah, it's not movies, basically. Tell me how Tom Cruise saved movies, though. Okay, so the theaters are dead, right? This movie did. I think this movie had had Tom Cruise's biggest opening he's ever had, right? Wow. It's it's in the it's in it's still in theaters. I, I think it did what? Oh God, I'm gonna forget all this stuff. But I think domestically it did like two hundred million dollars. Is the first movie that's done that since the pandemic. It revitalized people going out to the theaters again. Um, he he uses star power, but like this is not on VOD. So if you want to see, you have to get it. And not only that, like it stayed like it had a huge opening numbers but then it stayed because it was that whole like you got to go see it like and he perfectly it's like it's a perfect mix between like like nostalgia it holds on as a movie as its own it's an incredible experience it's like an experience you have to see in the theater like the surround sound the big screen all that you just like you can't watch it on your phone like you just can't it's it's a spectacle it's kind of it's basically ip but it's more nostalgia but it's like a spectacle that's not you know a, a comic book or something that people are already i mean it is but it isn't but well it had just... some name recognition which of course helped yeah i have a theory that i've said on this podcast so podcast podcast listeners you know you've heard me say this i want jonah's take because i feel like jonah is a huge movie guy jonah has in his house an entire wall with all of his blu-rays and dvds and it's one of the most impressive things you'll ever see i don't know if you can see this but yeah it's right. shown on camera right now look yeah, at yeah. that yeah right there. Holy yeah fuck. you can zoom in on it it's right there too yeah it's incredible so i ask you this i i had an idea on the episode on an episode a few weeks ago in which i felt like a lot of problems movies have now is because there's a big argument that the only movies that do big box office are Marvel movies or some massive right. action movie that's like a sequel or has a million stars, like a Fast and Furious, or you know this. You know what Tom, what Tom Cruise did was very smart, actually. So I agree with everything he said about that. So I have an idea. Why is it that when I go to like an AMC on a Friday night, it's going to cost me twenty bucks to see what's the next Marvel movie coming out? Uh, what kind of forever? Black Panther two. That'll be twenty right. bucks on a Friday, right? But also playing at the same time will be an indie movie for also for 20 bucks how much did the indie movie cost 35 million right yeah but black panther 2 probably cost 200 million why don't they adjust the pricing a little bit yeah it's an old da uh, david spade joke from take the hit yeah 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 where he was like he was like i'll pay 40 bucks to see titanic and i'll pay fucking two dollars to see this a brooder film i don't know like that's kind of his joke Oh, okay. uh, I'm not even doing this as a joke. This is a serious no, question here. Yeah, so, I, I agree with you, but like, I think I don't. I don't really know. I, this is just my speculation. I don't. I don't really know because the the issue is that the excuse me if I'm getting this wrong, but I think like I think the uh, the the um, the movie companies are selling these copies to the theaters at such a high expensive rate that they have to pay that amount. Because like because I think they're making almost no money on their ticket sales. That's why, that's why the um, that's yeah, why they never have though. No, they never have. That's why the popcorn and everything's like so expensive. But also like these because like to bring out the the masses and also they're looking at like global appeal, right? Because ultimately that's what it's all about. These these movies are making like a billion dollars. Like Top Top Con's gonna make a billion dollars. Like it, it, like it's 
so like they you have to spend 500 million dollars to get that like they, they used to like twister was what like 30 million dollars to make yeah not much Something i like just that. think not about much how you know thinking about like in like i know swingers. i agree i agree with you i mean i agree with you like i would but i think the problem i mean i don't know i think it's like you can like twenty dollars is probably low for a movie like Affinity War, but they're going to come out in the masses, right? Yeah. But like Swingers Four or whatever movie, like what's the the? Well, I brought up Swingers because it's such a famous indie movie that did well. Yeah, yeah. And not even like indie, but like small budget, I should say, because there yeah. are like movies. Some studios, Warner Brothers. Not every movie Warner Brothers puts out is going to be some nine figure movie yeah well know? i mean like okay like like Bar- barbarian i just saw barbarian barbarian that's a very good movie uh directed and written by one of the guys from a kid uh the whitest kids you know and it's like it's a horror genre but there's some comedy in it it's like something that's different than i've ever really seen before and it's just written it's written really well i anybody's listening to this like if you have a chance go see it um but that's in the theaters and that's doing well but that movie i think only cost like 10 million dollars but like it's not bringing in I don't know. There's got to be a law of average here, right? I don't, I don't really know. I hear you. I, I agree with you. The idea that it only costs $10 million, again, for them to recoup costs won't be as much. I look at it this way. The, I'm looking at it from the average person's point of view. You're going out on a Friday night. You go to the movie. It used to be. I don't even think people do this anymore, but this was a thing. People would just go to the movie theater and pick a movie, you yeah. know? And now I think because movies are more expensive, life in general is more expensive, they're thinking to themselves, I need to be brought out to the theater because a movie, a lot of these good, you know, low budget movies like Barbarian, why wouldn't I just, eh, I don't really know about it. It's a horror yeah. comedy. Eh, I'm not really sure. I can pay 20 bucks for that. Or I can pay 20 bucks for the new Mark Wahlberg action movie. That might not challenge my mind, but I know it's going to be a good popcorn flick. We're going to see some shit blow up. It's a cool couple cool right. fight scenes, maybe a twist. But, you know, eh, I think I'm going to lean toward the Mark Wahlberg flick. That's how I think the average person might view it. Where if I went to the movie theater and I'm like, oh, cool, the latest Marvel movie's out, but I'm not the biggest. I don't even know who the fuck the Eternals are, whatever the latest one that I'm not. That's not a big name, you know, or I could go see this movie called Barbarian for seven dollars instead of 20 for this movie. Yeah. And if more people go see the seven dollar Barbarian movie, they're going to make their profit back and get their numbers going. Because right now I'm at the point where there's I see some trailers and I'm like, that looks good. I'll wait until it comes out on HBO Max. Or I'll wait until it comes out on Amazon Prime or what what the fuck ever, you know? So I think that's where the movie industry might want to rethink their strategy because, you know, things yeah, have gotten I, to the point. It's not it's not seven bucks anymore. No, no. I, I agree with you. I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer to that one. Uh, I'm too dumb to have a good, strong argument. No, you're not. You know what I said I, to Jonah before the podcast started, everybody? I was saying that, like... I like doing podcasts with Jonah, with Joe Fernandez, with Marty DeRosa, Erica Nicole Clark, Kristen Toomey. Uh, and there are people I've had on Lisa Traeger. There are people I've had on like a bunch of times. I'm trying to think of all the multi-timers I've had on the podcast. And I know why. It's because I'm such good friends with you like in real life. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that my favorite podcasts to listen to lately are ones where you could tell there's real friendship between the people on them. Yeah. Like if you heard listen to the, it's always sunny philadelphia guys have a podcast together now yeah i've been listening to that the three creators and it sounds awesome you sent me a couple you sent me a link to one of the episodes of uh the bonfire with soder and uh big J. Uh, yeah, yeah they're so good. funny to listen to a handful yeah. of those very funny um 
Mark Norman, Sam Morrell, Andrew Santino, and Bobby Lee. Like, there's some really fun ones where you're like, oh, I even when they're talking about jack shit, you're still like, oh, they got a good rapport. There's good rhythm going here. And it makes it just kind of an easy listen. So, you know, I brought that up because I think you and I were talking about it right before we started. But I like yeah. uh, friend podcasts, I should say. I think I think because we know that, you know, we know you long enough that we just know. We, we'll just say a couple words and then you'll just go on like a 15-minute rant. And then we'll just like, you know, it's just like uh, – uh it's like a wave pool where it's just like we know like once everyone's like where's that second wave coming we just like th- we just throw you a little more wave and then you ride that wave for a little bit and then you're kind of the water and you're like oh, i got nothing else to say what am I saying? and then we just help you like come over <laughs> perfect i got a dozen <laughs> sidekicks it sounds like yeah 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 we're just a bunch of your epic mans and i got my whiskey right here brother Ooh. go 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 i'm drinking a little high life a little high life there champagne of beers baby not bad not we used to call that car we used to call it Carney beer in Wisconsin. Yeah, but Miller Miller's still pretty big in Wisconsin, right? Being from Milwaukee, or are you guys all like it's too commercial now, it's too big? I think it was like like you know, you drink Miller Light, uh Miller Highlights for the Carnies, and MGD is called the Anchor, because it's just like all the fights happen when people start drinking MGD. And uh that was I mean, that was like, you know, that was the thing. This is a good segue. So Jonah is uh an awesome stamp comedian uh jonah did a wonderful job along with lisa traeger and mike Leibovitz for opening for my special taping it's um great, taping or filming i yeah i say filming i, I know you're technically not filming but you're also not taping not taping i think you're more filming so you're right so yeah. recording would you say like a special recording tell the listeners uh what you thought of my performance <laughs> i thought it was great i thought you had um I uh I liked your first set. It's nice watching, like you know, because you, you watch people, you know, you see a lot of your friends do this, and it's like kind of interesting to watch. Like, all right, you're, you can tell you're a little nervous. You even you, I don't know if you mentioned this on your podcast previously, but you're like, I'm gonna go for a walk. I don't want to say, I don't have to say my highs. You know, you can I tell did. that you were, yeah, yeah, which I I employ, I I think that was a great idea, and that you could see you went on stage, and you um did you did you you crushed and you had. You're so tight and you're so like, this goes to here, this goes to here, that goes to there. And you're like, you know, we can tell you like, I'm fucking doing work right now, you know? And then the second show, I think because you, I, if I were you, I would have felt so like, okay, that, I got that. That's good. Then the second show is more loose and, you know, more fun. And uh, I think you played with it a little more. But that first that first taping, I, I hope you used a lot of. It's great. Yeah, probably use 90% of the first taping. But you're right. There was some fun little gems in the second one because I was much looser. I did. I felt like a whole weight was off my shoulders. Wow after that first taping and I had people like you and um, James Webb, of course, and Mike Leibovitz. And then, well, Lisa hadn't been seeing me work this material out. So she was just like, that was great. But like yeah. you and I guess Webb hadn't seen a lot of it either, but it was a couple of people who had seen me. Um, they were like, you nailed it, you know? Yeah. Although now that I think about the first show, barely had anyone see me. My cousin, Michelle was there. My cousin, yeah. Dennis, he'd only seen me one other time when I was in New York. Cause he lives in New York and then my cousin, you know, my cousin, Michelle, she's seen yeah. me perform a million times. So, um, but yeah, definitely felt like, great. We got it. And now I could really just, yeah. I mean, obviously I was aiming to still have a, a great second show, but it was nice to be able to be like, let's be fucking loose and all that stuff. And a lot of our comedian friends came out to the second show too. So I felt yeah. like they enjoyed more of a loose performance. Cause that's as a comedian, we like to see that too. Yeah, they want to hear like you riff. They, you know, they want to hear the things they haven't heard. But that, I would say that's the thing too. Like even with, 
your first set is like it's i felt like some of your bits were even more expanded upon expanded upon but i only see you in 10 to 15 minute chunks i never see you long term like long form yeah so i just haven't i didn't hear a lot of it so it's kind of fun being like it's nice like oh i love this joke you know like i i really enjoy my friend's co- comedy like my, uh, i think you and my girlfriend we went we you and i and her went to dinner before which was lovely and, thanks again shout out yeah. to vinyl steakhouse Final steakhouse in, go there Manhattan. if you're in new york um and it, I think it was a topic of conversation where it's just like, I, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but like I go day, every day I spend a lot of it just recalling my friend's jokes. And I think about it all day long and it just makes me like, like you know, certain things that happen in my life where I'm like, yeah, it's just like Joe Kilkenny. <laughs> like, you know, I think like the, you know, like some of your jokes that you did, I think about a lot. And it was kind of nice to be like, oh, I like this joke a lot. And then all of a sudden it was like two minutes longer i'm like oh like it's kind of like it makes you like really like engaged and i thought you just crushed it oh thank you very much thanks man yeah, yeah that means a lot um yeah yeah you know the, the hardest part about doing this hour and i knew it was going to be challenging from the start because the subject material was a little bit different than anything i've really gone after before and that's why i kind of was like you know let's do it in new york let's really up the challenge level i felt like mm-hmm. um it made it more exciting the idea of i'm going to do this Cause again, like I said, the first show was completely packed. You know, we even had yeah. some standing people and maybe a couple people had seen me before like yeah. live. There were people yeah. who were like fans of mine, like shout out to some of the TikTok uh, followers. I had some people come up to me afterwards going, Hey, we follow you on TikTok. That's how we knew about this. I'm like, dude, that's amazing. Oh, nice. Cause that's yeah. of course what you want to hear that the content you put out there is leading the ticket sales. That's what everybody yeah. wants to know. But they'd never seen me live before. Like I said, they'd only see me in 45 second chunks on a video app. So it was nice to be like, all right, great. This was, again, mostly 95% strangers. Most people, when they film something, not most because big names are big names, but even the big names, they're getting their fans coming out. So that I like that challenge. I thought this would be really fun. This is a hipster bar, mostly. It's mostly that does not look like our normal crowd at Community Show in Chicago, right? Um, Yeah. So I'm like, that's another level. But the big part, and then we're going to talk about you the rest of the time, was uh, the fact that the last 10 minutes, essentially, I was cl- I was close. Like the last 10 minutes, I did the least of all the jokes I had told. True. Because yeah. when you're working on sets in a city like a Chicago, New York, or L.A. even, you're not going to be able to do an hour every night. So you have to really pick and choose your spots. And without ruining what it is for the people listening, I get into a heavier subject matter. I'll just put it that way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess by the title, people can kind of figure out what I talk about. And I wasn't really able to work that out as often, you mm-hmm. know? So I had, I knew I was like, all right, this, uh, this set, when I was looking at, when I wrote down each joke title on a piece of paper, I'm like, all right, here's the jokes I'm going to do tonight. I remember looking at it. And I did change part of it for a reason because I'm like, I need another thing to bring them back up before I get into this. Um, it was one of those things where it was like, I'm starting strong out the gate. Yeah. You know, like the first 20 minutes, I feel like there was a lot of really heavy. There's there's probably two or three jokes in the first 20 minutes that I could potentially have closed on in a typical yeah. set. Yeah. Whether it's that story about the train, I'm not saying I don't want to give away anything. Yeah, for, I mean, I've, I've seen I've seen you close on those bits. Yeah, you know? yeah, you've seen I've me close on the yeah. you know, tools, the you know doctor's yeah. office story and some other stuff. But yeah, I mean, so I hope people, I'm, I know people are gonna love it. I gotta stay confident. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it was definitely the, I think that's what made it so much more satisfying because the challenge was harder. Yeah. You know? So it made it more thrilling. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was, I performed on that show and so did Lisa and so did Mike and it, it, it did feel, I went to the show on Wednesday after your show, which is more their core audience, you know, cause yeah. you did it on a Saturday and Saturday is still kind of the newer show for them. Um, somewhat, uh, you could, you could kind of feel they were kind of like giving my money's worth, you know, like kind of like, kind of like, I don't, it's a taping. I don't really know this person. What's going on. You know, like it was kind of like, you know, like make me laugh, which was a good thing. Instead of being like, I'm so on board with this. I'm just so excited to see Joe. I'll laugh at everything. It, it feels like it's, it was more earned, you know, than definitely. You know I mean? Cause that's definitely. the problem. I, I think that's the, that's the issue you see with like a lot of the big comics that maybe aren't inherently the geniuses, but they become very big. You see why they become big, but then they get this following where like, then it's like, you have no barometer. And I'm mm-hmm. no, I, I don't know if you talked about this before in the podcast, but it's like, you can see like, Oh, their third or fourth special isn't as good as their first because now it's just the people that there is. It's just their yes people that are coming. Yep. You know what I mean? There's not no that totally. Way. And you see, they'll not to cut you off, but they'll say no. stuff where the audience is like, "Oh yeah," like they and it's not. There's not a joke there, and yeah, yeah the barometer goes away. They get so up their ass, and no one around them. I mean, say I think no. the really great comedians know to keep pushing it, but then there's yeah. that another class of comedian where they're huge they're famous they sell it everywhere they go and their audience just goes with it so i do appreciate you saying that like the degree of difficulty so and i think this is okay for for when people do their first specials it's filled with so many people who are diehard fans of theirs and that's great you know what i mean and i remember having it with the ones i did in chicago where toby even mentioned to me he goes hey man that late show i know the response was insane but you got to use the earlier one because the response was too insane i go yeah i do i know i felt that way i felt like i i was getting an applause break on every fucking joke when i did um i didn't say anything bad and i was like okay this is just because these are my people they like my shit it's a late show they're a little drunker so they're even more amped up and crazy so it definitely felt like ah this almost feels like i'm on cruise control right here it felt like a yeah it's still i still love the way it came out and all that but i remember well we used the first taping which had they didn't go as crazy it was still a good audio it was still a good mix and everything like that and the, the crowd was still great don't get me wrong but yeah it just wasn't this yeah you you really yeah. i don't know everyone does shit their own way but i remember feeling really like i raised the stakes on myself i mean which yeah. I, I then dude the stress going into it was stressful because i remember being like by the way, what a stupid sentence. The stress going into it was stressful. But I thought like, I remember my brain being like, hey, you fucking idiot. Dude, these things are hard enough to do as it is. You right. had to fly out to fucking New York in front of an audience that doesn't really know you and make it even more difficult. Like how fucking yeah. dumb comedy is hard as it is and you're making it harder, you know? Yep. Yeah, I think that just proves the quality of the material, you know? Yeah. That's I, I kind of respected that or I don't think I'd have the balls to do that if I didn't already have a following. Not saying that you don't have a following, but like not to the level of like wherever I go, I'm going to have like a avid like ah! like type of yeah response. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully this makes the next one that way. But um, yeah. yeah, we had a great time in New York, didn't we? So fun. Yeah. Yeah. Really I was like because I flew in. I was in. um 
I, I traveled a lot that month, so I like I was so, I felt so bad because when I first opened up for you, I was like so tired. Yeah, you just I got there from Italy. You went from Italy to New York, or Italy no, to Vegas. I know. To New York. I went to Italy to Vegas to New York, and then originally I was going to go straight from Vegas to your taping, and then uh, you had to push back your taping a couple of days due to um, unseen circumstances. And then I, so I had a couple of days of rest, but I still had a, I had a, uh, a show the night before, so I was out kind of late, and then I think I had a four a.m. flight, and then got in, and then. Uh, I was like the whole time on stage, I was like, oh no, I'm gonna take the show for Joe. <laughs> and uh, but it was fun, man. I had a good time. It was really it was really crazy. It was so nice seeing you know what's really cool too is like your poor scene, girlfriend, like, by the way. No, she loved that shit. She she, just, she, she, sat, she sat through both tapings, everyone. I know, and she went to like four more shows too. Oh, God. And uh, but she loves that. And uh, what was I gonna tell you? Oh, you know oh, what's really sorry. cool? You know, like I think the people that if they want to peek behind the curtain it's like the people you come up with and stand up it's like you kind of have this bond with you know the, the people like within a few years of when you come up with and like joe goes to new york you go to new york to tape your special and what 12 people fly 12 poor comedians fly from chicago to new york just to, just to see you not to perform i you know i performed i that's why i flew out. i went to come out it wasn't for that <laughs> kidding um but yeah this was, it was just incredible like and then seeing our chicago friends all show up that, that live in new york now all show up and then it like felt like it felt like six years ago again or eight years ago again you know it did i was talking yeah. i mentioned this to tommy mcnamara yeah, I was talking. Yeah, I was talking to him because I did their podcast at Tommy Max and Tom Takara's podcast, and we talked about that. Where it was just like, "Whoa!" Like, it's weird, like looking and then seeing, it, being in New York, you know, not where you're from, and then you look and then you see a bunch of your friends talking to the, some of your other friends, and then like a, a ways back, you see friends you haven't seen in a couple of years, but they're still Chicago friends talking to other friends, and then you look over here, Chicago friends. You like, you know what I mean? You're all like, we're in New York, but like these are all Chicago people that after party felt extremely chicago didn't it I oh don't my know, god you having the same thing same. you did looking around the bar and being like holy fuck yeah you just took over this bar in brooklyn and yeah yeah i'm so grateful for everyone who came out and everything and what i was saying was that when i was talking to tommy mcnamara he was we were being like isn't this great all these people here i'm like i know it's i feel incredibly lucky and i said you know what's sad about comedy the more successful everyone gets the less you see of them yeah, I know. You know, when you're coming up, you're all just kind of like, you know, we don't have a pot to piss in. We're just happy to be doing it. You know, you had your little victories that you shared with each other. Like, dude, that I, I riffed that line. How about it? Like, oh my yeah. god! Like, you're so pumped, and it's like 15 people in the audience. You know, like just little shit like that. And and those moments are, you know, irreplaceable. They're the best. Amazing. And so that way, when you hang out now, it makes it. I don't know. It was just special. I feel like we enjoy each other so much now because we're like, oh, who knows? You know, I, I remember having a great conversation with Tom Takar and with Tommy McNamara and Bobby Condon and yeah. Burroughs. And I'm sure I'm missing names and I'm, I'm set up. I'm going to um, Julia Solomon, Lisa Traeger. I was really enjoying talking to them. Um, even even Eric Monocle came out. Pretty good seen... time. Yeah, there was just a lot of really yeah. good people. And um, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of sadness. She's like, I don't know when I'm going to see them again. So now that I'm here, let's, let's, you know, let's try to have, let's get after a little bit. Let's have a good time. Yeah. Cause you're, and you were leaving the next day, right? Yeah. That was more of a work trip for me. I, I still had fun. Yeah. The first night um, I had a show. I just did like a 10 minute spot. Um, shout out to Aaron Putnam. Um, 
you know, it was it was fun. I, I was very lucky there where I got to just hop on real quick. And then I don't like to perform the day before. So the okay. Friday before I didn't um do anything. I think I just got high with Michael Sanchez and then the rest of the guys at the Airbnb. I got high with Amy Shanker. Amy Shanker was my hero on Thursday. She oh, she's the best. She's great. All right. Let me I wanted to ask you this because yeah. um I mentioned, I said, I, I had this big thing where I mentioned, I go, Jonah's a great comedian. And then we talked about me for fucking 20 minutes. Very kill gallon move. Um, Jonah's also an awesome producer. I think you produce, no bullshit, my two favorite stages in the city. Community Chanel, which obviously I'm extremely biased for as being, you know, one of the founders and producers Still as well. Producer. Yeah. Although um, I'm not as active as a producer as I once was years and years ago. And Blackout Diaries. Blackout Diaries is fantastic. You, Sean Flannery, running along with Alex Joyce and a few other people who I'm going to forget their names, but whatever. Uh, Lauren Vino Ed Towns, I believe, are helping you now. Yep, that's correct. Yep, you got yeah. it. And so it's just a really, I always think you guys do such a good job of getting a really cool crowd out. Yeah. And people who I know sometimes they get a little drunk and sloppy. And last week's crowd, they were the nicest people. Um, uh, last week's show, you, so you did, as of the recording right now, you did the last show that we did. And that was, that was kind of, what's becoming typical of our audience where like something's gonna like so i don't know if you're in the room at the time some guy so, some guy like i tell was really drunk like leaned over in his chair and then fell all the way over his feet went up like in the i movie. saw i was right behind him yeah and then he got so embarrassed he ran out yeah and he but ran he, through like the sound yeah, boot, like it was like dude you're not allowed back there yeah and then we had, yeah we had to be like that's not where you go and then i saw him run even quicker because he saw another door and that door actually ended up to be where the bar was. And then he ran straight out and he left his poor girlfriend of six months sitting there. And then she, you know, that typical, like my friend's too drunk. They just left. So I'll stay for one more act and then I'll leave. Yeah. She kind of did that move. And then, but she left her purse <laughs> and then she left and then, um, ended up coming back and I gave her purses all during the show. And then also like while, so right before that happens, we had a performer, so we're booking drunk. So it's a drinking storytelling show in Chicago, um, and so it's it's just like kind of like comedians and non-comedians telling these kind of crazy drunk stories. So like you're kind of dealing with drunks, you you you're uh, appealing to a crowd full of drunks. So it's kind of like it's it's like you know it's like Beyond Thunderdome, Mad Max shit going on, and like so it's, you're it's like you're a lion tamer. You're always trying. There's something going on. You got to figure it out. You got to have your head on a swivel. And so later, right before that, a performer that I booked just wasn't showing up. Um, and we, I found out later that he wrote down the date for tomorrow's date because he was drunk when I, where we was drunk when I was whatever. So I had, to, I, had to, I had to find somebody to go up in between the performer and you. Um, and so I found some, there's this, this theater, is, this place has three different theaters. Uh, we're in like 120 seat theater and then the rest are like 70 and 50. And luckily, uh, Sora Bruce, who's an incredible comedian, was getting off a stage while basically a performer that was on stage at Blackout Diaries was kind of ending. So I had to be like, can you go on stage right now? And then he was like, yes. And then I kind of ran over and I had to go on stage and talk. Because we do a Q&A with, with, the, with the audience. Uh, after Which is such a fun thing my favorite part it's like literally my favorite part of the show so then it's like i have to not only am i you know having to do have to have to curate a q a i have to like watch the audience because I, I have to see if Sorab's in there yet so i know i have enough time and like it's just like this um, every friday it's uh, the 
biggest nightmare of my day, like of my life. Oh, constantly where you're just like, but it makes you a better producer and it just makes you kind of come up with that thing. It also makes you just like, when you have to, when you have to run a show like that, you're like deductive reasoning as a producer is like through the roof. So that's why like when we go to CYSK and all of a sudden audio is not working, I'm like, no worries. Next step is this, you know, it's just this like, you can't freak out and focus on one thing because you just know that there is a step. You have to find that step and you just keep, which has made me a, a decent producer, I guess. No, you're a great producer and you host that show. Just, you, I mean, you've got it down so well with the way you intro the show. You break it down for people because it's like, this is the Blackout Diaries. Here's what you're getting into. This is what you could expect. And I think that's just the way you have to set up a show like that. And yeah, being a producer, it, we all know is incredibly like a stressful thing to do. You know, uh, it's the worst. <laughs> if you're a comedian, do you have a lot of a lot of performers listen to this, John? I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I think if you if you're interested in comedy and if or if you're like new as a performer, like start a show. Like it's one of the smartest things you'll do because you'll you'll understand the kind of business side a little more. You'll have more respect for the you have more respect for the shows that you do um and then i think they'll respect you more because you respect that show and then you'll get booked more on that show but then more importantly it's like you'll just grow quicker so like producing a show is i think an incredibly important skill to learn as a as a comedian especially in a in a kind of diy town like chicago definitely um but it's also great because like like when i first started i wanted to get noticed so i was like how do i get noticed i run a show so uh david drake who's runs cysk in new york and Soren Chonsky, who's an incredible comedian out of New York still. Um, we started a show and our like thing was like, let's just book people that are better than us. Right? Because I want to be better. How do I become better? I'm I have to follow my favorite comedian, right? And then not only that, the audience knows that this is my show. So I'm representing my show. So I can't embarrass myself. <laughs> Because they're going to be like, oh, these fucking guys. And like, you do that a lot at first, but it's just like, that's how you. And then for me, it was like, okay, I think I'm getting better. So then it's like, how do I get on this show called? Because in our in Chicago, which is still kind of a small market, like that show is thought of as the best show, right? So when I got asked to do it, I was like, good. Now, like. Comedians you should know that is. Comedians you should know. Now I'm going to be even better, right? Because now yeah. I have to, I, I'm associated with you and I'm associated with Marty Rosa and I'm associated with all these other people as being at my same level. And then also we're booking the best. And then also like any of the big comics that are in town are going to do our show. So it's like, you just inherently through osmosis, you just have to get better. But then it's like, okay, that's my comedy. That's my stand up. So how do I become better? What's his skill called storytelling? So then I was like, oh, I'll be part of this thing called Blackout Diaries. So then Created I want to be Sean Flannery, who's been on the podcast. Yeah, who's like one of the best storytellers in the city and he's in the country. He's one of the best in the yeah. country. He's been on Comedy Central twice. He's been on the show. This bunch. is not happening. Three times. Um, that show three times is what I meant to say. Yeah, he's been on Comedy Central a bunch of times. But that show specifically yeah, was a storytelling show yeah. created by Ari Shafir. And Roy Wood Jr. started hosting it after Ari. I don't even know if it's on yeah. there now, but Flannery's on it three it's, times. It's done now. Yeah. Um and then uh yeah, because that's like that's thing. If you wanna if you want to learn how to become good at something, just run a show about that thing and then just do that thing every week well i did want to say what i loved the most about the q a and the q a is amazing it's super fun audience loves it the comedians love it we like to be able to stand there and be like what do you guys think you know more yeah. attention to me this is great and you and you got you or sean or who's ever hosting up there with you but what i like about it is 
if I ever forget a line during the story, I could find a way to squeeze it back in for yeah. the question and answer part. Or of the we'll story. like, I mean, but we know your section. story so well that we'll just tee it up. Like I teed it up because Sean did the show and I was hosting. Usually it's the opposite, and he missed the line too. So then I'm like, oh, I'll just tee it up for him during that. And it's like, and that was the thing too. So I was like, I, I wanted to be a better storyteller, but also I was like, I want to be better off the cuff. How do I become? And also, I want to be better at like having to deal with questions and interviews and that skill. So then it was like, I'm gonna start making myself host that show more. And that's like, that's become like the, my favorite. And what's really great about a show like that is like, because it's storytelling and it's a different muscle than comedians are used to. Sometimes you can put up a very good comedian up and they just don't do well because it's just not their, what they're used to. And if the audience feels it's becoming fake and jokey, they'll kind of turn on them a little bit. Yeah. So they, they want it to be like real and honest. Um, so then I noticed just, that because I, I, yeah. I dropped a couple lines that used to do well when I told that story as a bit, because the story yeah. I tell on your show, you know, it's a true story and it happened my last month before moving to LA. And I mentioned that in the story too. I'm like, um, oh, I was Chicagoing it up and doing all sorts of Chicago bucket list stuff before I moved to Los Angeles. And that, that, that happened to me and I chose the next three weeks in Chicago and the next three weeks I would tell the story on stage and it would yeah. kill. And then I moved to LA where the set times are much shorter. And I was, you know, at the bottom of the food chain, essentially out there. And I just stopped telling that story. Cause I'm like, I can't fit this six it's minute, long, yeah. seven minute story into my 10 minute set when I'm trying to show off my skills a little bit here. And then it just went by the wayside. Luckily there was a show in LA. Um, what was it called? Just great comedian, Mike O'Connell ran and he even acknowledged it was, incredibly similar to Sean Flannery's and him and Sean Flannery are actually buddies. So there was no like, you stole my idea or anything like that. His show was called drunken tales of glory and shame. Oh, okay. That's fine. And people would tell drunk stories and stuff like that. They didn't have a Q and a or anything like that, but it was still a really fun show. And then I was able to tell it there and it did great. And I was like, well, I'll just got to hold on to this. Just, I never knew what I was going to do with it. Um, but one day I have an, I had an idea I told you and Sean about that. I think I might have to try to do at some point. Um, or I do all my fighting stories yeah. on one like thing. I think I've got, oh, like, yeah, most, we talked about that. Yeah. I got like 30 minutes worth of fighting story. So wouldn't it be your typical 45 minutes to an hour special, but it would be like a 30 minute thing. And I think that'd be kind of a real fun thing to do. Maybe I'll do the, uh, Edinburgh fringe festival in Scotland <laughs> yeah, and run it as like a one man show there, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll go out with you. We can, we can do two parters. Dude, um, I want to go to Scotland. We should go to Scotland. Too. You guys should take blackout that. diaries to Scotland. I, I used to think you'd be there for the full month, but people told me you only you can only you could do like a two week run. Oh, okay. Because I can't go to Scotland for a month. You know, I'm a father no, too. No, That's no. crazy. But yeah. Two weeks maybe. Let's fucking go, dude. I think Let okay, so it. I don't do you like to do you like to kind of peek behind the curtain a lot on this show? Or do you kind of want to keep it kind of No, we I don't mind. I right. like giving people I, inside dirt or I had a question dirt, for you. So, so as a performer, right? So he, you know, here's a cool thing about that show, right? Uh, first off, storytelling is a different muscle than stand-up um, because you don't need as many like laughs per minute, right? But, but you also need like authenticity, but also you need to figure out kind of a, I mean, to tell an eight minute full story or whatever, you need to kind of find a through line and all that. But like to help you along, which was, Sean, you know, this is Sean Flannery's show. He had to kind of walk away for a second. So I took over six or seven years ago and now we're kind of back together. So it's his idea. Um, but like he we have a slideshow to go along with your story. So you can show pictures of the night or you can, you can use um, physical media 
to help accent your story. And you normally don't do that. It's optional, right? You don't normally do that. It's a skill that I've throughout the years I've learned how to use. And it's, it's been to me, eye opening and really exciting and creatively very exciting. Like, how, like this is the first time that you did it. So what's your process of wanting to, or finding that, or did you find it to help you? Did you find it to be kind of hindering or? I'm so glad you brought this up. I almost forgot about that. I did find it to be hindering actually, cause I never done it before. Yeah. And that night it was still a fun show, but I definitely feel like I, I felt like that wasn't my best set there. I felt like, okay. Oh man, I've had so many better sets than this. And then I was joking with you afterwards going like, I felt like the audience was too nice because like you mentioned, Sorab popped in and during the Q and a, you and Sorab were fucking with each other and they acted like they kept going, Oh, it's like, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, they're all good. Everyone's good friends on the show. We're all fucking with each other. And you know, a lot of audiences know all oh, they're messing around, but they definitely felt like everything was serious. I mean, they were a good audience. Don't get me wrong. They laughed a lot and they were really yeah. they were good. But there was definitely chunks where they were like, oh, that's not nice. It's like, I know. Joking. I'm I fucking think, around right now. Please don't take this seriously. What you're at a show at a midnight on a Friday. What's going on? Come on. Yeah. It's it's a good thing because you're breaking you're breaking the uh like fourth wall of like this isn't stand up anymore. Now it's us. So now we're like now it's us together as like with a, the Q and A, yeah, yeah, with like a, like as a couple of, a couple of friends, you know. And I definitely, just, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say that just I think that proves how people get so emotionally invested in you when you start when you storytell. So when you storytell, it's like, you know, one liner jokes I love, but like I can't really hear those because you know you, you know once you know the surprise, it's kind of not there. But like a story, you are emotionally invested in, right? So like. I can hear those jokes and maybe it's my preference, but I can hear those jokes over and over and over again. And I still laugh just as hard and sometimes harder, you know, as I hear them more and more. And I think that is, as you see like comedians become bigger and, and stronger acts, like some of the strongest comics that you've seen are storytellers. They do longer, like long, long form. Right. Yeah. It's a five minute little mini yeah. episode of a thing. You take the person on a journey with you and that's why, yeah, yeah I could hear those ones over and over again too. You know, as much as I've loved the Mitch Hedbergs in the world, it's like, yeah, that's a funny bit. I might repeat it to someone when we're sharing Mitch, Hed Mitch Hedberg stories. Right. You know, I understand him as a famous one-liner type guy. You got your Stephen Wrights, uh, Demetri Martin was one of those dudes. Uh, Jeselnik now, I suppose, although yeah. he's even expanding more and starting to be longer with his stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the stories that because you are you're along for the ride. You know what I mean? You're yeah. in in the car with them. It feels like. And that's what's uh, so cool I, about. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say that's what's so cool about that show is during that Q and A, you can see, you can feel people, uh, like invested. Yeah. In the like, uh, comedian Hannah, Hannah Rochlin, who's doing really well. Uh, I think she just recorded a special with uh, Four Hundred Pound Gorilla. I think it'll be out soon. But eight hundred. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Eight hundred Pound Gorilla. So you know, whatever. You made him thinner. Today's half day. Um, yeah. But. Uh, she she's never done the show for i was kind of on the fence about booking her and she did it and she just connected her she connected like she's sober now but she connected her stories not in a sad way but in a like this is still funny even though like it's my journey and all stuff and she almost got a, i don't think he might have been on that show she like almost had a standing ovation and like these people like i've never seen anybody connect with anybody before during a set and it's really cool to have like that instant connection with the crowd because they are asked they are physically connected or they're they're emotionally connecting with you with their questions and it's like really cool to like see that you know and it's so different than like you know like i just did a laugh factory you know this weekend and you know it's 
300 people, whatever. It's like, you're connecting, but it's just like, it's me, then it's Team Earth, and then it's somebody else. You know, it's just like, you know, like if you're, you're, you're there and you're gone. You know, yeah. I think with a show like that, it's like you're there, but then like now you can kind of connect, you know, which I like. Which and I the whole audience knows what every comedian's going up there to do. We're like yeah. a showcase at Laugh Factory, which is obviously our one of our favorite clubs, you know. Yeah. Um, it's the I love Laugh Factory. But with the showcase style, the audience is just like, oh, cool, another funny comedian, another funny comedian. Or Blackout Diaries. I'm, I'm, and there's no comparison. They're both great and they both exist. It feels like I'm making a comparison, which I don't need to. I'm yeah. just showing the differences, really. Uh, but Blackout Diaries, they know. They're sitting there. Every comedian going on stage is talking about a specific thing. Mm-hmm. Like a story about how alcohol did something and some crazy night or some crazy whatever happened. I noticed the recovering alcoholics tend to really connect with the audience especially if they tell the audience oh, right away, I don't drink anymore. It's the opposite. It's really? The opposite. Yeah, yeah. In my experience in that show, it's because the recovering alcoholics, they either want to tell their rock bottom story, and that sometimes oh, well, can get really fucking sad, but, but, but they're also almost ashamed of it because they're almost like, I don't want to glorify drinking because of their, understandably, their mindset, which is just well, like... Well, yeah, quitters are like that, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fucking dorks, dude. Just but, kidding, nerds. Okay. Yeah. But, like, that's the thing. Is you, if you can find somebody that is, like, completely content with, like, who they were during that time and, and like, they're not, like, glorifying drinking, but they're kind of, like, like they're more like, look how dumb I was, right? Aren't we all stupid? Like, don't feel bad about Because, like, you know, I yeah. think the best review we've had on that show is it feels – it. I think the quote is um, uh, it feels like you're at reverse AA. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, and that's just that's perfectly sums up like exactly what that show is. But it's so cool because you use those. Yeah, so it's fun watching you like. Yeah, I felt like you did that, man. Yeah, you you, once you at first you just think, you know, you you think you need it. The crowd eats it up. It helps with like because like you know like everyone's attention span. Ten minutes is hard to keep, especially nowadays. So, like the, the slides help like perk up, and then they kind of are listening more, so they don't kind of like just zone off and think about their own shit. But then you can use it as like, you know, like I, I, this, I don't know if you saw me do my story, but like I do, I made a, I made a connection with how I black out as to this show called Quantum Leap, which is in the eighties. You know, <laughs> I don't know if yeah. you saw that. Yeah. So, like my, you know, my whole thing is like when I black out. It, it, it's like a brown out so it's like in and out so it's like like i kind of like i'll be somewhere and then i'll black out and then i'll be at a different bar but then I, i'll have a problem that i have to fix but i don't have any context to what the problem is but i know that i have to fix it i don't know if you've ever been in that if you really like blacked out and came to in the middle of a fight verbal fight um i want to say yes but i also want to say uh, no. no i have I so many i have, I have so many times where I instantly I have to be like, I don't know how I caused this. I know that I have to fix it. So then most of the time I've, I've never really been in a fist fight, but like almost every single time I've like fixed it. And the whole time I'm like, I have no idea what I did to even cause this or what they did to me. But like, it's made me become extremely empathetic, I think. Um, but I make a correlation to like, oh, it reminds me of a show called Quantum Leap, which is, they just rebooted, but it's from the 80s. And, and in Quantum Leap, there's um, exposition in the in the kind of intro song that says like, you know, Sam Beck is a character. He finds himself leaping from life to life, writing what once was wrong, hoping that each leap is the leap home. And I, I figured out, oh, that's exactly how I black out, right? 
So then I, I do a story and I call it Swiss cheesing. So like basically the story is like three segments, but it's like, I'm at this thing, whatever, here's an issue. And then all of a sudden Swiss cheese there. I'm in a different, I'm in, di I'm in a different situation, right? I don't know how I could fix that situation, but I did, but now I'm in a new situation and then blah, blah, blah. Swiss cheese. Now I'm in another situation, blah, blah, blah. Swiss cheese. And I realized if I show that Swiss cheese between every, between every segment, it kind of like, they know what's going on. And then it's like Swiss cheese. I'm home. I'm in my, my hotel. And then I put, I like three weeks ago, I realized if I play that clip again, that could be like a good button on everything. Right. Definitely. So then this week was like one of the first weeks I did that. I played that clip again of how I started that story instead of like, cause <laughs> I, and then it just like, now I get a pause break, you know, yeah. where it's just like, yeah, that's exactly what a night is for you for drinking. And before it was like, I had to like justify me getting home and make sure I was okay. And then I use like slides for that. It's like, it's a really interesting creative choice to be like, I can, I can completely sum this whole thing up with just a clip I found online. Like it's insane. Yeah. It's so I fun. think I'll definitely do when I, when I get to do your show again, I'll want to do the slides and the, you know, multimedia yeah. stuff again, but hopefully this time I'll, I'll, I'll add a little more to it. Cause I remember thinking at one point, like, oh yeah, I need another, you need a certain number of slides. And I kind of had one right away. Then I didn't have another one for a while. And there was some, and it definitely, I, I mean, I just felt a little bit like, oh, I'm not used to doing this. Like, cause I, I was, yeah. oh, I always told the story without anything. I just was a microphone in me. And as a comedian, that's all I ever do is a microphone in me, you know? Right. So when I have to do when I had to do with the slides, I remember, you know, that's why I even kind of went over to the sides and pointed stuff out to try to like add some yeah. laughs that that worked a little bit, but then I get back into the story. I remember thinking like, Oh, I wasn't as smooth as I typically am. So it's yeah. all good though. I had fun with it, man. Thanks for having me yeah. on as usual. Oh yeah. When you learn, when you learn to use it, like not as like necessarily a punchline, but like a little tip to the hat to your punchline. That's like when it, that's when it crushes. Cause there's a times where I'm like, yeah. And then and I just saw a clip. But then it's like, if you're listening to audio that, like, you you wouldn't laugh. And you're like, oh, shit. So how do I convey it verbally? But then also, how do I, like, kind of really hit it hard visually? So it's kind of like, it's a fun. And that's the thing, man. If you're, if, if you're new at comedy and you want to learn something, just run a show about that thing and just fucking do it. You know, it's just, you want to be a comic? Run a show with nothing but the best comics. You want to be a storyteller? Run a storytelling show. You want to learn how to be off the cuff? Like I did, I wanted to learn to be off the cuff, but more about things that weren't comedy. So I started this movie show at Laugh Factory for a couple of years and I hosted it with two of my friends, with Nate Burroughs and this other comedian named Dan Trees. So we had to host the show and then it turned into this, like we just host the show off the cuff for 10 minutes. So it's like, if I want to learn how to improv doing stand up with another person, but not doing improv, but doing stand up where we're presenting to a crowd. I'll run a show behind that, you know, like that. These are skills that I, I know that I don't have. So how do I get better at it? So you run a show. That's just what you do. I love that philosophy, man. I love that yeah. shit, dude. That's amazing. Let's do five good ones where I That's ask it. five good, pretty much random questions. This is a segment I was doing for a little while there. And I think I we like did it once it before. Yeah, we did it once before. All right, great. First question. Is it, is it masturbating if you don't finish? Oh, I asked that because I think it's masturbating, people. but it's not jerking off. Okay. Cause you don't get off. Like, it's like I jerked off. That's you finished or I master. Like I, I was just masturbating. I was just masturbating or I just jerked off. Right. Yeah. I think it's how you word it. 
Like, what were you, what were you, what'd you do in the bathroom there? Like, oh, no, I was, I was masturbating. You fucking jerked off. Like, no, I didn't jerk off. I just masturbated for a little bit. You know what I mean? I hear you on that. Cause I feel like it's, I agree with what you're saying. I feel like I could see someone justifying it by saying it's not masturbating. Cause I didn't finish, but the definition of masturbating is self-pleasure. So you probably right. enjoyed it along the way, you know, but like, we all know it's still sex. Even if you don't come right. as long as P's into V or P's yeah. into whatever you want the P to go into. Okay. But did you fuck? What would you say if you had sex and you didn't have an orgasm? You just said you had sex. But if you had sex and you came to the sex, fucked. Just a regular Tuesday night with my depression, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I like how you said jerked off, though. But you notice there's a trend. I'll hear women say I jerked off. I was just going to ask you that. I was just going to ask you that. What's your thoughts on that? I don't like it. I I like the ownership of it. And I like when girls say that. It makes me laugh. But that then I get mad or I'm like, no, you fucking didn't. Like, come up with, like, a version of that. We'll be a girl version of that that, like, has the same kind of, like, it still hits the same, but it makes more sense to a woman's parts. Yes. We need to come up with something like that. Because jerked off hits. There's an yeah. edge to it. There's, like, a, you're not like a, a jerking a clit. You're not. Exactly. Women, you're not yeah. jerking anything. There's no I, just went to the, I just went to the punchline. I punched off. Not punched off. I pushed off. No. No, no. Mm. Um, finger banged. I just finger banged. No, because I don't, girls, just, you I, the word I don't know what girls do when they're not when they're not when we're not around, but they're not like fucking fingering themselves. You they need something. They're not fucking them, finger banging. You know. Well, I hear what you're saying because sometimes it's just a vibrator. Sometimes they are inserting stuff. You know that, right? Right. You know, I know that. <laughs> so what we need, though, I need female listeners. Teach, maybe teach me about how women. We need a female equivalent to jerked off because you, the word yeah. off implies like something was completed. Finger no, like, jerk, does not jerk. Like if I'm jerking, you know, like, okay, if your dick's here, right. And I'm just jerking. Like I'm, this is jerking. Like you're not jerking. A, I mean, my, my last name is jerkins. I have a very personal relationship with this word. <laughs> but yeah, you're not, like, yeah. You're not jerking your vag. We need to, no. I don't know. Or I just like that they just come back to it. I, they, I like that. They just like took ownership of that word. I like, oh, no, I they, like, I think it's funny. I think it's funny too, but I just, I want their version of it. It's like, remember when Oceans 8 came out and they're like, oh, it's a female Oceans 11. And I'm like, no, stop it. I want to see an all women's heist movie. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. So you but want to be called They have to be tied into the man thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's what Widows was. You watch Widows? Yeah, but I give Widows points for being like original with it. I feel like a lot of these Hollywood studios were doing a thing where it's like, you know, we have a female Ghostbusters. Now let's do a female yeah. version of this or a female version of that. I'm like, or just do your own story. It can be similar enough. I get that. Female yeah. Ghostbusters is different, though. That's a bad example. But I remember Ocean's Eight being like, "This is just fucking dumb." Did you watch okay, it? Like, what was that? The three three five. Did you watch that? I did not see that one. That might have been okay. Who knows? Just redo. Set it off. That was a great movie. Oh, so you're saying they should be redoing the movies? No, I'm just saying, like, just called more set off. Oh, set off here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, set That's off what here. They could say. Well, yeah. I'll be like, what are you doing in there? I'll do it, just, like, set I just set it off in off. there. <laughs> just like set this clit off. Point. I just set that clit off. <laughs> that could work. All right, question two. Basic bitch question, but one I think people find fun. What is your favorite fast food place? It's got to be a chain, too. Don't give me, oh, like, it's... this place in the corner. 
Uh, now or ever? Ever. Taco Bell. Ta okay, so here's the thing. Is, Taco Bell's my favorite. Always go to. KFC, I always got for my birthday. I loved KFC. Growing up, I loved KFC. Uh, when I was fat, I had like... I, I make my mom would take me to different... Different... I had I knew everyone's like menu like hands down, like if you if you want like favorite burger double cheeseburger but fake favorite burger with bacon junior bacon cheeseburger, Wendy's guy huh? I'm a Wendy's guy. I also love Hardee's. I used to hate Hardee's, but they're oh, uh, they likes Hardee's. Dude, their charbroil chicken sandwich is incredible. Um, I miss the KFC Twister, and once they got rid of their uh, wedges, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Get rid of your wedges? The one thing you had, and also if you like Burger King um, hamburgers, you have the worst palate of all time. They are not good. They're always overcooked. I've never had a good experience at Burger King with their burgers, but their chicken Whopper that is incredible. Yeah, and the chicken have... Whopper people rave about. I haven't had okay. Burger King in a long time, and I grew up not too far from one, but I grew up closer to McDonald's. McDonald's had the Happy Meal. Burger King competed for a minute with the Happy Meal. Remember when they had those like Simpsons toys that everyone went yeah. nuts for? And I they had, had a shit ton of those. They had a few things where it was like, oh, Burger yeah. King's on its way up. And then they gave up. Um, when they changed their fries in the late 90s, those are fucking delicious. Yeah. They're, their chicken fries. Very good. Their chicken sandwich was pretty solid, too. I like that a I lot. Said, the chicken sandwich. I just yeah. don't like their, bur their burgers. They have great tacos. I've had a good burger at Burger King, but I think the point is it's inconsistent. Yeah. That's, and you're right. Yes. I've had a burnt one there too a couple times. But I'm with you. Taco a... Bell's amazing. I've switched from KFC to Popeyes as I've gotten older, but I do love Popeyes. And how the fuck did they get rid of their wedges? I just found that out from you right now. Stupid. Yeah, yeah it's really stupid. And they also got rid of their twister like years ago. I'll Some forget and I'll, or, I'll go through a drive thru and I'll order that. And they'll be like, dude, that hasn't been there for like eight years. I'm like, exactly, fuckhead. I'm still asking about it. That's how good it was. <laughs> I want it back. I'm hoping but... you fucking say something to corporate. What's your, what's your what's your order from Taco Bell? Oh, I'm kind of not, I'm nothing special. I get four soft shell tacos and a like a drink. Uh, two gordita crunches with chicken instead of beef, and then a chicken quesadilla. And what I do is I eat one chicken gordita crunch with extra baja sauce, and then I eat my chicken case or my steak quesadilla, and then I get sad because I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I want another, uh, uh, <laughs> I want another uh, crunch. Wait, what did I say? Gordita Crunch. Then I'm like, oh, I want another Gordita Crunch. I'm like, guess what? I have another Gordita Crunch because I waited. <laughs> I like that, man. You got good yeah. philosophy on certain things in your life. Plus, I Joe. did this once. Oh, good. I got a classic double from Wendy's in my. This is my early 20s. I might have been like 22, 23, and that was my meal. I think it was like a number two. It was a classic double, but I'd get it plain because I didn't like. Yeah. Wendy's would put way too much mayo and tomato yeah. on stuff. So I would just do plain and score ketchup from ketchup packets. I I was real. My palate in my early 20s was embarrassing compared to what it is now. Now I eat everything. But yeah, I too. got the I'm driving. I get out this like exit. I'm like in by O'Hare Airport, essentially. I'm trying to like make this for everyone can understand in Chicago. And I, I go through the drive through and I get right on the highway because I'm on my way to a show. I'm eating fries. Everyone eats the fries while they drive. Mm -hmm. you're full of shit yeah, if you don't eat and you're, and you're holding like the barbecue or like the sweet and sour sauce in your hand while you're driving a little well, bit well i would always fill you? up like the one little cup holder with some ketchup and just be like that's nah, a problem for later you know oh, and wow. yeah making messes i'd get a lot of bugs in my car and so you know you're eating the fries but the traffic was bad so i got to the point where i'm like fuck it i'm eating the burger i wanted to wait to eat the burger because burgers i don't yeah. like eating burgers while i drive it's, right it's, it's, it's a classic double it's a heavy burger too you know mm-hmm 
I then pick up the burger. Now, remember, I mentioned how I ordered it plain. I knew by the weight of the burger before unwrapping it that they had fucked up, and I had fucked yeah. up by not checking the bag before I left the drive-thru. I think I was yeah. in a hurry. And, of course, as soon as I undid the wrapper, I, they, everything was on it. And I was like, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Dude, and, again, I could tell by the weight. I felt like one of those dudes in a movie where it's like I could tell by the weight of the gun that there was only three bullets left. Like, you know, that's how I knew. <laughs> yeah, you know. And I get off the highway at Fullerton. I'm going to a show in Lincoln Park, and I'm, like, furious. But then I see a Wendy's off in the distance off of Clybourne and Fullerton there. And I'm like, I'm doing yeah. it. Fuck it. I, I was go just through the drive through and I tell them, I go, hey, I just ordered a number two here, but I ordered a plane. You guys put everything on. So if I could just switch. The fries were great, but if you just switch the burger out. And there's like a delay. There was like a delay. I'm like, hello? Like, what's going on? And they're like, when did you order this? And I was like, just recently. What do you mean when? And they're like, we don't, no one's ordered number two all day. And I'm just like, what do you think I'm making this? I got, I got angry at them. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> in my head, I'm like, why the... I should have just been honest, but like in my brain, I'm like, dude, you can't return one Wendy's burger from one Wendy's location to another right. Wendy's location. You know, it's not like a library where they just take the book back in any branch. You know what I mean? You have to. Right. So I tried, I made up a whole thing where it's like, I, why would I lie about that? Is that fuck? It, look, look at my sandwich. Feel it. It's still warm. Why the fuck would I? I don't know what to tell you. I don't remember two. Maybe that's why it's wrong. You guys wrote the wrong thing in. And then they were just like, okay, here you go. And they fixed it for me. And I remember driving off being like, I'm an asshole because someone might have gotten yeah. in trouble. Um, but hey, I got my burger. I remember on Tuesdays they used to do McDonald's used to do their twenty piece chicken McNugget for like three bucks or something, something cheap like that. Like years ago, this is twenty years ago. And but that's also when they decided that you get one sauce and every sauce is thirty five cents extra. And you know you're a poor college kid, so like I went through and I was like twenty piece. I was drunk, twenty piece chicken McNugget. I wasn't driving. I was driving. And um, <laughs> and then. They were like, I'll do a um, sweet and sour, please. And then can I get also get a barbecue? They're like, all right, 35 cents. And I was like, nope, I want another whatever. And then they were like, they were like, you only get one sauce per order. And I go, one per order? And they go, yeah. And I go, it's a 20-piece chicken McNugget. And they're like, yeah, well, that's just how it is. It's one per order, and that's just what it says on the menu. I'm like, okay, fine. I want to return this, and I want to, I want to order four five-piece chicken McNuggets separately I want you to bring me up each one, and I want a sweet and sour sauce. I want a ranch. I want a barbecue, and then I want a shit ton. And then I want a bunch of um, a honey mustard. And then they're like, "You want to bring? You want to really do that?" I'm like, "Yeah," because like this is insane. I like threw a big fit, and then finally they just threw me a shit ton. Genius on your part, man. That's how you yeah. system. Yeah, we were like, "This is insane." It was a dumb way in there. I, I love figuring stuff out that like that. Like, you ever go to a place where you're like. Wait a minute, for a dollar more, I get the fries and the drink. Clearly, you guys are fucking idiots who didn't know your pricing. I, right. I've been to places where for 50 cents more, McDonald's did it with the Happy Meal. I started getting yeah. my kids the six piece chicken nugget Happy Meal. The four piece chicken nugget Happy Meal is 50 cents less or yeah. 49 cents less. Where I'm like, why wouldn't I upgrade the 50 cents extra for the two full yeah. nuggets and extra for the fries are better portion size? Well, Joe, they- the problem with my the problem with my story is that they they were like, you know, that this deal is only on Tuesdays. And if you order the six piece or five piece, whatever it was, it's like $2 each. So you're spending like what, two, four, eight, six, you're spending, you know, 60, like six extra bucks when you could just spend 35 extra cents. Oh yeah. You're dumb. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, it's the fucking principle. <laughs> like, it's like this is some bullshit. And then I got it free and I'm like, see, there you go. All right, man. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number three of five. If you could open. Oh, what, oh, Joe, can I interrupt you? I'm sorry. 
go for it. So I didn't. So if you're in Chicago, what I figured out. So uh, I go to Las Vegas a lot. You know this. And my favorite thing to do is I will take a shot at Rainforest Cafe because they're one of the only Rainforest Cafes that actually has a bar. So you can't just buy a shot at the bar. Like you do that. And underneath the Rainforest Cafe, there is a Taco Bell cantina that A, you can get married at. B, they sell bikinis and uh, swim shorts at with a Taco Bell thing at. And then they also have like these huge drinks that you can get there. So like I like to get fucked up at Taco Bell because I love Taco Bell. I think I've been to that one. Yeah. But... I figured out the way I, I don't think they did this on purpose, but Joe, there are all the Taco Bell cantinas in Chicago are almost a perfect square, like around, like up the streets, down over, like kind of, it's almost like almost a circle. And what oh. I want to do is I want to, I want to do a, a bar crawl, a Taco Bell cantina bar crawl. I'm down. Let's down? make it happen and make an event of it. Can I ask you a question though? And I want to ask your listeners a question. Would it be racist to have, a mariachi band follow us while we did this mm. it would be right oh, no because hold on we'll have to have some of our mexican friends as part of the entourage okay if they're part of the crawl then it works yeah. out okay because now it's just a celebration of heritage but if it's you know nobody if it's 20 of us and none of us are mexican then yeah. it kind of almost looks like uh are they mocking the culture a little bit are they being a little insensitive you know because i'm gonna wear a sombrero that's for sure gonna happen for sure you have to but, I'll definitely, we'll definitely need to have some of our Mexican friends as part of the crew. Okay. Latinx, you should say. No, these, these are Mexican people. <laughs> I don't have yeah. to say and Latinx. I, but, oh, I forgot to say, we're also dressed up as Arnold Schwarzenegger in the running man. So we'll have the running man outfit. Um, I definitely want to do this, man. I'm not even fucking cut. around. Oh, I've, do you think I'm fucking around that? You know, it's stupid. I do shit. When's your birthday? June? January. So it'll be my half birthday. Isn't your half birthday? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do a bar crawl in January. It's too cold. Yeah, it's too cold. Well, I was trying to think when we could do it. I thought maybe for your birthday, it'd be a cool thing for your birthday. Fortieth, or we do it. This is even. I don't mention that, but this might be more racist. But we could also do it for Cinco de Mayo. Again, as long as we have some Mexicans on the team, no one's gonna think otherwise. We should do it on. We should do it on St. Patrick's Day, actually. That would be wildly funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to do it on St. Patrick's Day, though, because I already have so much fun on St. Patrick's Day as it is. I, I want to do it on a random day that we don't always have a lot of fun. It does. It could sure. be like we could just make up a day and be like, this is our Taco Bell day. Okay. Dude, we'll, do a, we'll do a documentary about it and, and then post it. Oh, we're filming this. Okay, this, is for, yeah. this is content for gold. Sure. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Okay. What's your next question? Sorry. Question three. If you could open for any comedian, living or dead, who would it be? Oh. Gotta is pick this, one. I'm sure there's like ten, though. You know, is this like uh, because who I care about? I would. No. Love, okay, so here's the thing. Growing up, see, so we're talking about this stuff. It's like, I mean, obviously, you know, Dave Chappelle, obviously, or Bill Burr, you know. But like, I would love to open for David Spade. I fucking love David. Like, David Spade is one of the reasons I'm in comedy. And see, that's the answer I'm looking for. I love good. that. Yeah, I would love to open for David Spade. I kind of want to open up for Dane Cook. That'd be so, like, 20-year-old me would have shit his pants. Yeah, you know, he was a big influence on me when I was 20, 19, 20, you know. Um, And I I met him in L.A. and I actually did shows with him. Um, I was on one or two shows at the Laugh Factor. Like, I went up and did 10 minutes and he would come up at the end of 45. Five hours. So that doesn't really count as opening because you need the person to be like, hey, we're doing a theater together and you're the opener. You know, that's what I'm thinking of. 
Um, and I liked him. He's a nice guy. I know people, some people have problems with him. I, I don't know why, whatever. But he just I released a new nice special. Movie. What's that? He just re- he just released a new special. Oh yeah, what's yeah. that? It's uh, it's on some weird service. You can get through his. Um, it's okay. It's at his house. He kind of did the Kevin Hart route. All right, cool. I have to check that out. Um, um, for me, I think it would be. It's tough because I think Bill Burr is my favorite comedian of all time right yeah. now. But I think if I could choose one, there's something about Seinfeld to me. Okay. Because of the way that was my Thursday nights as a kid in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Um, watching that show and just, um, I remember I was supposed to go see him live with my dad. Um, yeah. I had four tickets my, my wife and my dad and my stepmom, the four of us were going to go. But then I got offered like a, really good gig and i was only like a couple years into comedy so i couldn't say no to any gigs at that time you know mm-hmm. that was my mindset at least so i ended up selling my two tickets and the two of them still went so um yeah there's something about seinfeld in particular even though be- yeah he, he's not like one of my favorites right now i mean i you know i still respect his body of work of course but i think i'd have to go with him you know i love the i love the open for like tracy morgan that'd, that'd be, be a crazy. fun one yeah um, who else is a name for me that I think would be super? I mean, Patrice O'Neill would have been amazing to have opened for. Yeah, that would have been incredible. Just for the hang, I just feel like some of my favorite. I mean, amazing comedian, of course. But every time I see videos of him hanging out with people or just doing Opie and Anthony or um, yeah, you know, backstage shit where it just shows him fucking around. That's that's a really fun person. Um, Carlin and Pryor, I feel like just too because from my point of view, they're just so like larger than life stand ups. How cool would it be like, to open for Murphy, though? Eddie Murphy? Like, you're opening for Eddie Murphy? See, I don't know. Oh, be, that'd be incredible, too. But there's almost like, because there's so much before our time, or I would think of it like, yeah. I'd be too intimidated. Where Chappelle and Burr uh-huh. are still ahead of our time. You know, they're much older than us. And, you know, they've been doing it way longer than us and all that kind of stuff. But it still feels like we're closer. It feels like the mm-hmm. generation is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know? Where, like... Those guys are in their 50s. We're in our late 30s, and that's the generational split. I feel like comics yeah. in their 50s should have comics in their late 30s, even early 40s opening for them, where I look at like a Carlin at the end. The guy is 70. He wasn't having right. some fucking 25, 30 year, 40 year old. You, need, you, you know, there's like, you don't want to get too far apart in your, you know, who yeah. you have with you, I feel like. I don't know. It depends on the tone of the show, though. I'm thinking theaters, though. I'm obviously thinking yeah. theaters. It'd be um, kind of right, cool to like. It'd be cool to open up for Dennis Miller like fifteen years ago, twenty years ago. Dennis Miller, like in the early nineties, thirty years. Yeah, ago? I, I didn't even like him then, to be honest with you. Oh, dude, I love the Dennis Miller show. Was like, I like Dennis hearing, Leary better. Oh, uh, hearing stories about Dennis Miller is good. There, but like, I think like Spade, dude, like Spade, his HBO special "Take the Hit," which I already met, I already referred to during this. That was probably the most. That's the most watched comedy special in my life. I watch it every year. I still watch it every year. And I don't know if it's for nostalgia. I love it. I just saw him do the Vic Theater, and I thought his new stuff's great. And I think he's kind of being respected as a comic now instead of like being thought of like one of Sandler's guys. Um, I think he's I think he's incredible, and he seems so much fun to hang out with too. I've heard great things about him. Yeah, and yeah. I love what he did with his show. That he had in Comedy Central there for a couple of years because when he'd put a comedian on, he didn't they didn't really censor the comedian's act. Yeah. They, I mean, they would bleep if they had to bleep, of course. But they um Rachel Mack, who did our show not that long ago, she was she did a set on there. And mm-hmm. uh, and Laura Bites or Laura yeah. Bites, I should say. 
Yeah. Uh, your girlfriend's name is Laura. That's why I slipped up and said Laura Bites instead of Laura Bites. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Lisa, Lisa's been on it a bunch. And like, did Lisa Haley. do stand up on there too? No, but she's on the she's on panel. The panel? Oh, yeah, they did a panel too. I forgot they did a panel. But the stand up sets I liked in particular because I feel like so many late night television style stand up sets are just watered down kind of garbage in a lot of ways. There's some yeah. people who pull them off real well, like Rory Scoville, I think is the ultimate. Nick Vatterer. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Sam Morrell, Mark Norman have a style that fit it pretty well. Um, trying to think. Who's oh god? Who's the dude from? Uh, why am I forgetting? He's like one of my favorites. I'm forgetting his name because I'm an idiot. But he used to do a lot of running bits with Roy Scoville on Conan, and he's from uh, Canada. John Dore. Oh yeah, yeah, he's John Dore. Good style. John Dore crushes us. Yeah. Because you have to be on the cleaner side, and it helps if you're like sillier, I guess, or you have to have like a real setup punch style. But even some of those comics who I like when I see them like live doing like a spot you know, at a club, their late night sets never did it for me. Cause I know they have yeah. to water it down. They really do. They, they go over every line of every joke you tell. It's the only time a comedian really transcribes the fuck out of their jokes. Right. Um, you know what I mean? So it's just not, I'm not into watching late night sets very much. I'm happy for friends when they get them, of course. And I'll tell oh, them, Hey, go watch so-and-so on this. But yeah, I usually, no, my, my DVR is filled with like our friends. <laughs> on yeah. There. Yeah. I'm sure you'll get around to watching them soon. Question I, I number watch four. <laughs> I was trying to speed this up a little bit, buddy. Um, oh, yeah. Question number four. Uh, this was one of those questions I probably should have given you ahead of time. That way you could have had a tight answer because I know it's a loaded question. A celebrity or historic figure that you'd want to get drunk with? Just try to think right off the top of your head. I want to dig too deep. I don't know, David Spade. <laughs> I just want to hang out with David Spade. Uh, you you want to fuck David Spade, I feel like. I just like, I'm in love with this. I don't know why. It's just the age I was when I, if you watch my stand up, you can see it there a little bit. Um, who, I don't know. I do. I would love, like, you know what's insane is like, it was such a big movement for me is like the 80s and stuff. Like, I fucking would love to have, I would love to get drunk with Arnold Schwarzenegger. See, the good answer. Yes. Right? Or Jean-Claude Van Damme. Schwarzenegger more, because that guy's got stories, and he's, like, interesting to talk to, I bet. Definitely. The guy was yeah. the governor of a state yeah. that, that in a country he didn't grow up in. Right. The biggest state. Yeah. And then be, to become, like, as big as he did, I think is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, probably Arnold Schwarzenegger, for sure. Meredith Kennedy was, like... Yeah, Meredith Kennedy, yeah. His famous catchphrase is to simply, I'll be back. I'll be yeah, back. Which, made those which he words. was like, do you know, famously, he like went to James Cameron was just like, this doesn't, this, I'm not saying this, this is stupid. And then James Cameron, I'd be like, trust me, just say it. Like, really? he, it was like, I will be. He's like, no, I will be back. And he's like, oh, I'll be back's better. And he goes, no, 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 I will be back. And he's like, nope, I'll be back. I'll be back. Like, yeah. Yeah, Cameron was right. Yeah. That's his shit. Except I heard yeah. Avatar sucked. Anyway, we'll talk about that on another episode. I'm sure yeah. you got opinions on Avatar. Who's yours on that? Oh God, I hit a lot. Um, Kennedy, JFK would be a really cool person to get drunk with. Yeah. Um, mine, I think I lean more historic in a lot of ways because I've been fortunate enough in my life to get drunk with some pretty cool celebrities. And it's fun and all that because you get some insight into some stuff and you, you yeah. go, oh shit, that's what you think about that. Hmm. I'm sure your audience wouldn't want to hear that, you know, some stuff like that. But um, I just think to myself like, man, it'd be really cool to, you know, gotten fucked up with like a general. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Would you have, okay, so you don't have to answer this is too personal. And like, they, you know, I think they know your backstory with your father. Yeah. They know my so dad died. Yeah. Uh, so would you, because my dad died ago. too, right? Yeah. So this is why I mentioned this. 
Also, I would love to get fucking drunk with Michael Jordan. That'd be the best. Oh by the god, way. yeah, that's a good one. Oh my god, that'd be the best. But um, or like I'd like a female celebrity too because in this world maybe I'm single and yeah, something happens. You know, who would be who? Would, Pamela who, Anderson. Who, who, Pamela Anderson. She was my first crush. Oh, see, I, I was a Jenny McCarthy guy. I liked her a lot too. Yeah. But then I found out she was from the South Side, and I assumed she was a White Sox fan, and that just made it a no go. Yeah. Would yeah. you want to get drunk? So this, my, this goes to my question. It's a little personal. Would you want to get drunk with like twenty-two-year-old Mister Kilgallen? I'm forgetting his first name. Sorry. But Matt. His first name is Matt. 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 Um, but but he doesn't know you're his son. So you have to. So you have a no-filtered version of who your dad was during his crazy early twenties. Yeah, I would 100%. Would you? Yeah, I actually I think mentioned I would this in the too. eulogy. I mentioned you this did. in the eulogy about how whenever I would watch movies or TV shows where someone would be like, oh my God, I'm turning into my father or I'm turning into one of my parents, I'd always be like, I'm so glad I can't identify with that because when people would tell me growing up or even as late as, you know, what he died nine months ago, mm-hmm. 12 months ago, um, people would say you're just like your dad. I would smile and be like, "Awesome! I want to be just like my dad." So yeah, but you get to see the version of your dad that they're not mentioning. Sure, but I That's don't know. I mean. My dad was pretty. He's the people who knew him. I know this gets thrown around a lot to the point where it's like, really. But for real, um, I'd had people would be like, "Your dad was one of a kind," and I know okay. that gets thrown around a lot. But there's no truer yeah. statement that really he really was one of a kind like that, and his personality was his personality. Um, he was just a dude who did not suffer fools well. There's tons of great stories. I mean, I heard a lot of stories, but yeah, you're right. I'm getting a different version. Yeah, here obviously people well, okay. every detail. So, what about your mom at that age? No, God, no. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No way. Okay, <laughs> sorry, mom. I would not. Yeah, um, I've seen her drunk at other ages, and I'm like, Ugh. I yeah. want to see her drunk at 22. Yeah, no okay. way. Okay, cool. Definitely see her just be. Yeah, no. My dad though, different. Um, you know what you know who I want to get fucked up with? Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's a good one too. I yeah. almost feel like um yeah, because I've seen some growth with him as a as a person. Obviously, you like guys who are just like, I want to hear the fucking old shit, but I feel like that yeah. dude's uh Diamond Dale's okay. page, I think would be a cool one because he's into that yoga yeah. shit now. I kind of want to know where you went from there to there. Or like and, Hulk Hogan in like the mid-90s. Yeah, getting drunk with someone in their prime, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But then maybe they're too big, and then you're like, you're a prick. You yeah. just want to deal with someone after they've fallen on hard times a little bit. Yeah. Or like Stone Cold when he was still like the ringmaster. Like before he becomes Stone Cold. So like right before he becomes Stone Cold, right? Was he Hollywood Blonde for a second too? Yeah, I was like Hollywood Blonde. Then he, then he went to WWE and he was, or WF at the time. And then he was like the ringmaster with Million Dollar Dream. And then when he transitioned to Stone Cold. But like that transition where he's kind of fed up with WWE. And he's not famous yet, but he still has that bravado of a famous person. I use Stone Cold as an example, as an example of how you shouldn't be afraid to reinvent yourself from time to time. Yeah. You know, he still had the dream and he didn't just think to himself, well, this isn't working. I guess I'm going to quit. You keep figuring it out. You know, I've done so many different versions of a podcast. I had a sports podcast. I had a podcast that was just baseball. I've had, you know, you just it's a good lesson for the kids out there that, you know, he didn't start off as stone cold, Steve Austin. He no. did a lot of trial and error. He had to f- try things and it, and it failed and it's like, Oh, this isn't working. Well, go back to the drawing board and figure out something else and just keep going. So yeah, he'd be a fun one to get drunk with. All right. Final question. 
right. Um, in your house right now, it's a bad example because your house is under construction mm-hmm. um, or you're getting some work done, but there's a house fire. Okay. And you can only save one thing. What are you saving? <laughs> no, Joe. And it has to be, um, it's a load. It's a tough one. It has to be an object. An object? Obviously, you can't say Laura. <laughs> I'm my girlfriend. It's like, yeah. no, she can walk. Push her up the picking something up. Yeah. I mean, if I still have my cat, can I say my cats that they were still alive? If they were still uh, alive. No, because that'd be assumed. I'm talking, I need like a fucking object. I know for you, I would take your, um, your machine right that does erotic photo hunt. Oh, I would take that. Yeah. There you go. I'll give your answer. Yeah. Jonah's erotic yeah, yeah. photo hunt, everybody. It's either that or or my 4K version of the Running Man that's German because it hasn't been released yet on 4K. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. But yeah, it would be my. It would be my. Uh, I have an erotic photo hunt. That, that would be. Thank you for answering my question. That's the perfect question. That's the perfect answer. There you go. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what friends are for. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jonah, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Everyone, I'm going to save my answer for Patreon. I'll do a Patreon okay. where I give my answer out. Um, Jonah, where can people find you? Um, you can, I mean, you can find me on social media under Jonah Jerkins, that's J U R K E N S. Um, but you can listen to the Black Up uh, Diaries podcast that gets released every Tuesday. We have a new story, Joe. I believe you were just on that a few weeks ago. I was. Uh, my, my story has been uh, featured on that. So they will show a clip of the show and then they'll do a kind of a deep dive of the, th- of the kind of the theme of that story. Um, that show is featured every Friday at uh, at uh, the Lincoln Lodge in Chicago, and then uh, you, you can see either you or I at uh, c- comedians you should know every Wednesday. But if you're in New York, check out our New York shows on Wednesday as well in Brooklyn. And uh, I think uh, LA started again. Yeah, LA's monthly now at the Comedy Store Belly Room. So if you're in LA, yeah. look out for comedians you should know LA at the Comedy Store Belly Room. And yeah, I think they had Adam Sandler pop into the last one. Yeah, it did. It's yeah. crazy. He'd done it before where he popped in, and this time he popped in and he's wearing like Hawaiian shorts and he looked pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, sure you can normally great. hear me on um, the Pedals and Pricks podcast, which is a bachelor podcast I do. We're taking the season off, but we shall return um, for the bachelorette. Bachelor. Love it, buddy. All right, dude. Thanks again for being on the podcast as always. And thank you to all the listeners. You are all the best. Uh, Give this a review. I haven't asked for a review in a long time. So if you want to go on like Apple or Spotify and give a review, I'd really appreciate that. And don't forget the Patreon. You get a bonus episode a week. Also some other fun stuff on there. You guys are all the best. Cheers.